0: Well, hello! Merry Christmas and happy—well, not happy New Year yet, but Merry Christmas. It's been a while since I've talked to you guys. Uh, since Elmo, I was just looking at that. Today is Christmas Day, um, and uh, sorry I haven't gotten back sooner. I've a couple people have asked, like, what's going on with the podcast? It, it, it's not like a quit thing at all. Um, work and just kind of got busy there for a while and. Honestly, I didn't have, uh, I, I felt like a creative kind of like a lull. So um, that's my bad. Um, I haven't dropped out on you guys at all. I told you we we're going to try to push this thing, and that's what we're going to keep doing. So, but I thought, uh, what better day than Christmas morning to come down and uh, get reacquainted and, and, and talk to everybody? Um, and also, uh brother of mine, I've talked about him before. You guys have heard the name and the stories and all that stuff, but um uh, I got Terry Fullerton here with me. Um Terry was one of my seniors in the Marine Corps from from the jump when we got to two one. Um just a just a brother of mine I have always had so much respect for and I love him to death. Uh we went through a couple well one real scary situation in particular and um we went out last night and a friend of mine said oh shit i didn't know you had a brother and i kind of explained to him um when when you know someone in that capacity it uh you know it doesn't matter what uh what mom you came from so um yeah uh he came up from oklahoma today and before he gets out of here and goes back home i wanted to get him down here and and talk some shit with you guys so what's up buddy you how, what do you think about podcasting so far? It's been two
1: minutes and five seconds. <laughs> I don't like hearing my own voice, but you know. I knew that was coming. <laughs> but I, I guess first things first, happy birthday.
0: Oh, thanks, man. I am 41 today. So yeah. It was uh so anyway, Terry, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Terry uh came up when'd you come up? Friday morning? Saturday.
1: Saturday. <laughs>
0: Saturday to kind of hang with the family. He he met us in Branson when we went on that trip. Um, I don't know, back in the summer. And so, uh, yeah, he just wanted to come up and kind of hang with us. So, um, I don't, I think I told you earlier, Alicia forced me to stay up until midnight for my stupid birthday. And then you guys know, I have been talking about him uh, since day one. He's kind of one of my big, uh, motivators for starting a podcast but uh mr shane gillis is coming to st louis on the 13th of january so backstory is i was looking him up to see when his tour dates were for 2024 and alicia was sitting with me and i mean the tickets are like not he's a huge selling comic right now so it's not cheap to go see him and i was like oh fuck you know he's coming in in january i'm like yeah man we can't swing that we got a lot going on getting the basement finished and shit So at midnight, she texts me with, uh, like, a photo of the tickets to the show. So I couldn't be more pumped on that. But she really just makes me feel bad when she does stuff like that because I'm, I'm not the best at buying gifts. But she also doesn't make it easy on herself, right? Because she, like, has everything. Not everything, but if she wants something, she just goes and takes care of it, you know? Yeah. So she's tough to buy gifts for. And speaking of gifts... Terry calls me a couple of weeks ago and um, he knows that my son and and Savvy probably, not Chevelle so much, but probably Savvy wanted to get into hunting and uh, he found a good deal on a youth model Savage 243, so he calls me a couple of weeks ago and was like, hey, um, you know, I know you're wanting to get the kids kind of going and stuff like that and uh, would it would this be all right? So, of course, I said, yeah. And uh, as much as Cash is pumped about the fucking Xbox and monitor he got today, I think you stole the show, buddy. It's very much appreciated, man. He's going to love it.
1: I hope so. Yeah. Well, you, you're you going to have to show him how to use it. I mean, to me, hunting's always been one of those deals where it's just, I grew up hunting. Yeah. And it's a passion I like, and I like to share it with everybody else.
0: And. And we've talked I've talked to a couple different people about that, whether it's work or on here or not. But. That community always wants to bring the youth in and show them the way and the reasons and like, you know, it it that's a very open. As a matter of fact, you said to me, I'd rather sit in the stand with cash than you, which I totally agree <laughs> with. But uh, I think that's really cool about the community to want to share that experience so much, you know. And like you heard on the Elmo one, Brady was just happier to have me there and to see that excitement of killing your first buck and all that shit, you know? And so there's a huge part of me that like, I I think we're definitely going to set it up and come down to Oklahoma and whether we just sit out there with you or whatever, but getting to see your son like harvest his first deer, I, I just, that's, that's, that's a definite, I don't need photos for that. I don't need anything. That one will stick for sure. My memory's dog shit, but that one's going to stay with me.
1: Yeah, well, I took my niece out, and I don't know who is more excited when she harvested her buck. I, I don't know, was right? Me or her. Right. Because, I mean, it was so funny. Like, whenever it comes down for the shot, which I had her set up, I didn't want to set her up for failure. I had a little tripod. Sure. In the blind. Absolutely. So, you know, she's getting ready to take the shot. and I'm like, God, hurry up, shoot. Hurry right. up, and shoot. Right. You know, I'm in her ear, and then. Finally, when she shot, I mean, just to see her face and everything. Yeah, those are it's amazing. Right.
0: Well, and we learn in shooting fundamentals like, oh, sorry, folks, I got a sinus thing going on. Deal with it. Sorry, but I do apologize. When we learn in shooting fundamentals, it's like take that breath, stay calm and relaxed. And then you got your uncle or dad or whoever. Or you going, you got to fucking hurry, you know, it's like so that sense of urgency. But that's probably the buck fever anyway, right?
1: Well, the the reason why I was on her, which when we first got a rifle for her, we went out to the range and was shooting. Sure. And she was halfway scared of the rifle, the recoil. Absolutely. I'm not going to say scared, but she, it bothered her a little bit. Yeah. And so her groups, if you call them groups, all over, scattered all over the paper. Uh-huh. And we got down, I think we only took two boxes of shells to the range, which is still a lot, I guess, but... I go, hey, you got one shot left. Let's make it a good one. <clears throat> you know, and I set the scenario for her at the range. And I'm like, hey, you got to make that shot right now. Hurry right. Up, Take the shot. Take it right now, you know, at the range. And that was a beautiful shot. I mean, right in the bullseye. Yeah. One, one inch square, which was 50 yards, but still. But, you know, after shooting a, inside of a one foot box, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, well, she she performs better Under pressure. Under so pressure. So I'm going to do that when she's shooting. It's like, hey, just just pull the trigger, yeah. you know. <laughs>
0: well, there, but but you're right because you're right to kind of do that, and I, I'm going to keep that in mind when I get him going because, like, there there's not always this huge window of time that, I mean, they definitely aren't just going to hang out. The same thing with Elmo. Like, Brady wasn't, he, I mean, I, I had the situation under control and I knew, like, what my lane was, but kids aren't looking at that shit. They're, you know. Like they're not they're not taking in those things and like and and you know way more than I do when of buck's rutting around and he's chasing is like he's he's not planning on staying anywhere for too long if it doesn't have females around. So but yeah, I mean that pressure thing, you're always you're not always gonna have that kind of time and but I you know, she figured it out. But yeah, I yeah. mean I, I think it's gonna be really um just exciting and stuff to go through that with him. And maybe Savvy too. Savvy's told me she wants to go, savvy, you know, Savvy, she just wants to sit with me. She wants to sit with you more than me, but she just wants to sit there with me. And and she said, like, I'm not sure that I want to kill a deer, but I, I want to go out hunting with you. I don't see anything wrong with that either. Just hang it.
1: Yeah, like with my niece, you know, that's one thing that I did with her was before I bought it, <clears throat> before I bought her a rifle. I'm like, hey, you're going to come out here and see it, you know. For me, is so mind-boggling. I guess I'm old school, you know, men hunt, women, house. Yeah. So I'm kind of got that, that, you know, why would you want to come out here? But, you know, especially a teenage girl. Sure. And I go, well, I'm gonna, I want you to at least see one shot before I spend a lot of money on you. It's not a bad idea. And so I took her out a couple, like the year before. Unfortunately, we didn't see anything. I think we saw a little, a couple little deer come yeah. by, but I didn't harvest anything. Right, and I got the buck fever after that. Like, okay, I'm setting her up. You know, yeah. I I got to get her going. <coughs> and then the first year I took her out, it was a uh, youth season, and it was funny. Was we had two little fawns, like little spikes, come in, and I go, "If you want, you can." I can get you the tags, and you can shoot them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "Oh no, I can't do that." Just like, "Oh man," you know. But they were babies. Yeah, sure. But yeah, like I said, I think the next year after that, we got her on that one, and yeah, it was nice.
0: Now, I told Savvy, and obviously Cash too, but like, if you do get to take a deer. You're going to be the one that has to go through and, and dress it. Did you did you have her go through all that stuff, or did you kind of?
1: I, I told her she had to watch. For sure. Because she told me from the get-go that, you know, the whole blood and guts, not for her.
0: All right. Ease her
1: in. Yeah, so I said, well, you know, there's some people that make tradition, you got to take a bite out of the heart of their liver. Yeah. While well, it's still right there. Yeah. I'm just gonna you have to watch the first one yeah you know luckily you're a beautiful girl right so you gonna have anybody do this for you sure. hey, you know just blink those eyes absolutely you'll have guys wanting to do this for you that's the way it goes but you have to watch yeah because you got to know what you're doing you know yeah <laughs> it's actions and consequences of you course can't just go out there and just play like deer and just let them sit right you got to know the whole process of it well and that
0: that's a bigger there's a bigger lesson to that than than deer hunting too though. You know, it's not just it's like you said, action and reaction and stuff, you know? So sometimes you do stuff it's going to have a reaction, so you need to be prepared for that too. So I think that's a good idea. I don't I didn't get to tell you this yet, but as far as Elmo goes, the update is I called the meat locker that I took him to. It was exactly 30 days later, so on the 17th of this month. And he was number 718 that that they his tag number or whatever was 718, and they were still on the 500s. So it's going to be a little bit longer before I get any meat back. But I was hoping we could eat. That was uh-huh. like the plan was to feed you some deer, when you, you know, some venison while you were up here, but it didn't work out. But other than that, the kids have had a great Christmas so far. Um, Cash has never... He had an Xbox or he has whatever at his mom's. uh, And we had asked him before, like, is that something you're into? And he's like, you know, honestly, I get enough of that at my mom's. There's no need for it. So that was always pretty cool. But he's been doing really well besides some little messing around with his buddy stuff um, at school. So we got him an Xbox and a monitor, and he's up there figuring all that out. Now, I have never turned on an Xbox. I've never... Played an Xbox, so I have no skin in the game on that one. But luckily, he has these kids know how to do all that shit themselves. But and the girls got a cleaned house too, and Uncle Terry took care of them with some gift cards. It was funny when uh, when you called, you're like, "Well, what you can do is take care of the girls, because like who knows what to get for an 11 and 13 year old girl?" But they're very well taken care of anyway. But um, oh i wanted to tell you guys too uh my buddy steve at work steve Lovell, our electrician he it's not official boone and crockett or anything but he's been scoring deer for a long time i think i'm i'm sure you know his dad got him into it but uh he has been within a few i mean he's been very close to some people who have had their deer um officially scored and he scored him at a one 145.750 so that's 145 and three quarters right so he ended up being a pretty good sized dude we're still uh obviously waiting on him to get back so right around next December hopefully I'll be able to come back on and maybe by that time we'll have video and I'll kind of have him in the background or something I don't know but did I tell you that Alicia's girlfriend told her that wall oh you were standing there that wall going up the stairs, you know, that big empty wall going up your steps. Her, <laughs> her friend, of all people, Jess, came over and was like, hey, it would be good kind of right there. <laughs> I didn't think Alicia would go for that at all. Being that right when you walk in the house, here's his head. But I was thinking about it, and I think he will be turning left a little bit because when, and I didn't know how any of this stuff worked, but when the form that they have them all going on and stuff, they, they kind of look one way or the other. So it'll actually kind of work out if I put him on that wall because he'll be more looking at the front door.
1: Uh, got a guard deer.
0: But is that, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I should just have him
1: down here. I don't know what I'm going to do with him yet. I, I'm a little different on all of that. I know I got the European mounts. Yeah. The only reason why I started that was that first buck that I, I shot on the deer lease. My dad said you will get him mounted. And yeah. It's like I don't I don't care about it. You know, I just want to cut the skull plate with the antlers and go around show him and then just throw him out in the field and let the whoever no gets him get to. That's the way I feel about it. But yeah. you know, since that one that I got the European mount, <coughs> it was like, well, I'll just do it all for the rest of the deer. Yeah. You know, and just kind of hey, thanks deer. You know, I I remember you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, and that's the weird thing is that a a shoulder-mounted deer will match nothing in our home. (laughs) Not that it matters that much, but that's the way it goes. That's just the way it's going to be. Hey, you brought that European mount with you, and I wanted to talk about that too. How we were having that conversation that it seems like from all the photos you showed me and the, the ones you have at your house and the one in your truck, do you do you know why they're, like, the racks down there, guys, I'm telling you, too, um, Terry has, it's a really, really good-looking rack, but his, they're, like, they're super, they seem to me, super long, but, like, thinner. Does that have any, does that, is that, like, a weird thing that just happens in different regions?
1: It's, their antler growth is genetics and nutrition. Okay. And, uh. You know, so, of course, the gene pile determines kind of their shapes, right. you know. If, but, yeah, and then nutrition has a big deal, too. with it. So, you know, whatever the deer is eating, that's going to affect their antler growth more so than genetics. I mean, hmm. because it was hit on one of your other podcasts where you're talking about all these farms that go out there and they're, you know, basically shooting them up with steroids. and. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and so it's the nutritions that they get you know from the locally going out there eating the fields. well,
0: if I understand it correctly, it's almost like our fingernails right in yeah. in, in a in a sense of how they grow and all that other and I know yeah. it's a lot different, but apparently, if you're like lacking in certain nutrients, your fingernails can do weird shit and get spots, and so I mean, I guess it could kind of be sort of the same thing, I know it's different, but
1: yeah, I mean it. It is, it, and there's so much money that's been spent on deer hunting and deer raising. I guess I don't. It's a huge industry. It, yes, it is, and you know the science involved in it. They've got it down, and like my deer at the house, I consider them pets. You know, I just I want them around. Yeah, just to right, Look at them, right. But I put mineral in with the corn, keep them fed, and. Just watch those antlers grow.
0: Do you know that there's like a couple that keep coming back? Like can you can you spot them pretty well?
1: Well, that one that I showed you with the oh, little yeah. eye guard. Oh, yeah, that funky one, yeah. See, I think I've had him on camera for like three years. I watched him go from little bitty to, so he's hey, he's nice, you know, and then now it's like, oh he's trashy. Now but he's I just like wild, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I haven't even said it. You uh, born and raised outside of Tulsa? I was born and raised around Lawton, which is southwest corner of Oklahoma. Okay, and then after I got out of the Marine Corps the first time, I moved up northeast Oklahoma, and that's became my home.
0: Yeah, you're you're six hours from here, so yeah. So you were born on the other side of the state, basically.
1: Yes. Huh.
0: When did you first go in? What was your first enlistment? What were the years in that one? Ninety four to ninety eight. And weren't you with Eighth and I? Well, yeah. But your MOS was still infantry, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I was O three eleven. But yeah, my first two years, I went to 8th and I, D- oh, let D.C. Me,
0: let me stop you. How do they, so you go through boot camp, go through SOI, and then who comes up to you and says, hey, we want you in D.C.?
1: How's that, how's that work? So in the School of Infantry, I guess the first sergeants from 8th and I came out to the School of Infantry. They had everybody together, and they kind of showed what Eighth and I does. You know, for those who
0: don't know, what does Eighth and I do? And I mean me.
1: (laughs) ceremonial honor guard. Okay, we we run around in our dress blues, M1 rifles. Yeah, we do parades, funerals, firing parties. Uh, When we even go to the White House a few times, uh, whenever. Whenever another president from another country comes in, you oh, okay. just see the people. Okay. I mean, we're background curtains, basically right. the toy, right. toy soldiers standing there in our dress uniforms. Well, they put the best looking ones in the background. Yeah. What?
0: So that's
1: so that is different than silent drill. Well, so whenever I was eight, eighth, and I, so it's two companies, two march companies. Each company has got the three line platoons. And the other company, Alpha Company, they have the silent drill platoon as one of their platoons. Okay. After going through one parade season, then you could try out for the silent drill platoon. But whenever I first got there, I was like, Hey, that'd be cool. But then after doing a marching season, I was like, I don't want to be a boot again, which would be Oh you, you know, s- trying out start you know? over over yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't I didn't even attempt to do that. So you guys are basically blues every day uh for our commitments yeah it's dress blues in the summertime we get the blue trousers the or no wintertime it's the blue trousers summertime it's the white trousers but wow yeah. but that's what you guys work on when you're not at a
0: ceremony you just work rifle
1: yeah it's you know it's the joys of the marine corps clean is it, is it tedious stuff oh it was horrible yeah being a country boy from Oklahoma, right, peeing outside, right, not really seeing concrete. To be in the middle of Southeast DC killed me. Busy up. So you been to the White House a couple of times? Yeah. Inside? Not inside. We was on the South Lawn. I had a. Oh yeah, where uh, Marine One lands, huh?
0: Uh, uh, that South Lawn where they land? No, South Lawn's like their garden and shit, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think South Lawn's where they do all that outdoor shit. Yeah. I know but Dick about
1: I know we had a, well, it would be President Clinton at the time, him and, play the South Korean president, you know, the closest I've been. They walked right in front of me about three feet. Oh, Billy walked right in front of you? Yeah. Damn. Did you see Monica? No. She wasn't around? No. See, so that's another deal because, you know, the Marines, everybody's got to look the same. Sure. And so I wore glasses my whole life but I wasn't allowed to wear glasses on commitment. So, you know, sure, he walked by me. Even though he was three feet, he was still a big old blur. Just some (laughs) guy. Yeah. Really? You know, I I can't see without my glasses. Yeah, that's funny. So, yeah, I've had a lot of people, and it's kind of funny. We'd do our, during the summertime, we'd have a Friday evening parades at 8th and High. And, you know, Marines were all 18-whatever. Sure. And they got their women up there in the bleachers. They're like, Hey, did you see that one? She wasn't wearing underwear. Right. And it's like oh. I haven't seen anything all day. I can't even see the grass in front of me. <laughs> How did you so okay, so
0: you can see okay, so you could see the guys next to you to keep yourself covering aligned and all that shit and you knew rifle manipulation. So you just kind of figured it out blind almost?
1: Yeah. I mean I'm I'm not that blind, not but blind. you know, but yeah, yeah it's it would have been cool to see. It would have been great to see. And a now lot of you've stuff, got the surgery and you can see just fine and Yeah. Do you want to go back
0: to 8th and I, maybe? I mean, you can Um, if you
1: want. No, no.
0: So, they, isn't it, it, does it have something to do with, like, height? Like, don't they want all you guys, like, right? They don't want it staggered, me and then you. It would be a weird look.
1: Yeah, you know, okay, so, School of Infantry, they come in and they explain what all 8th and I does. And they say, hey, if you're under 6 foot, get out of here. Go
0: sit somewhere else. Yeah.
1: And so, everybody's getting up and... I think at the time I was like 5'10, five, 5'11. Five, and uh, I'm getting up to leave, and our troop handlers there at SOI said, Hey, get them back and start field day. And it's like, Oh, I'm six foot tall. I'm going to sit down and get out of field day. And at the end of the selection, they said, Hey, uh, write down why you're trying to, why you want to go to eighth and I. I'm not a pretty boy. I didn't want to go to eighth and I. Right. You know, I was just. You still want a field day? I just didn't want a field day. Yeah. That's what I put down on my piece of paper. What? I, I'm just trying to get out of field day. Handed it in. So guess what happened when we got our orders? I'm going eighth and I. <laughs> so you might have gotten out of it a half an hour of field day, but now you're going to... For two years of field day. And...
0: Wow. Yeah. A lot of a lot of cleaning and busy work?
1: So everything's got to be guidebook for Marines perfect. Immaculate. Every day, every second of the day. Really? Yeah. We're talking pressing and starching our racks. For the first two months, I didn't ever sleep in my back or my rack. It was all sleeping bag on the ground because, like I said, I pressed out the white. My team leader <coughs> came in every day, measured. Four
0: inches or whatever, yeah. Six inches six, fold, right.
1: 12 inches of white. Wow. Protractor, 45-degree angle. Get out of here. Yeah. Field day inspections. We actually had an inspection roll of toilet paper. Our toilet paper had to be, we kept it in a plastic bag, never used it except for inspection. Yeah. Because it the toilet paper had to come over the top. Sure, it did. Folded Triangle. at a 45 degree yeah. angle. Yeah. I mean, it was just bad. Wow.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know, man. If I get into a groove of something like that, I like the like structure of it, but that seems kind of, well, because you went to go O three and you're somewhat through SOI doing kind of cool stuff and then you go to folding toilet paper. Yeah. So okay, after two years of Eighth and I, what happens? They you hey your time's coming up, what are you gonna do now? Or do they send you straight back?
1: There are there are guys that have or Marines that have stayed their whole four years at Eighth and I really? You know, I mean, it's just kind of the way the rotations of the Marines have worked. Yeah. You know, everything's on a two-year cycle. Yeah. Or it was before Iraq. Everything's based on a two-year cycle. Right. For the training, the deployment. So after two years, you get orders, you know. and They gave us a choice, East Coast, West Coast, or Hawaii, I think. And it was, hey, I'm going to West Coast.
0: Where did you – who did you end up with when you first went back your first time? What
1: M- – the unit, yeah. uh, India 3-4. Where were they at? Where'd they live? They were at Margarita Oh uh, 33 area on Pendleton. And the weird thing is that 3-4 is part of the 7th Marine Regiment, which is at 29 Palms. Right. And
0: <coughs> that would have been funny if they stuck you out at 29 Palms. For
1: that. <laughs> well, I almost did because I was getting out of the Marine Corps in June of 98. They were actually taking our battalion and moving them to 29 Palms. And they said, hey, we don't care if you're getting out or not. If you're with this unit on this date, you're going to 29 Palms. I was like three days away from it, but inside, so I didn't have to go to 29 Palms.
0: So, you, but had you been on that day after, you would have had to go up to 29 Palms and then go home from there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you get out in what, 98?
1: Yeah. June and not well, I guess May of ninety eight. Yeah. Terminal what, leave.
0: So now you're on you still got four years of your reserve status, right? Yeah. Or
1: it's it three years because I did the year delayed entry program. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: So then you go home, what'd you do? Start working?
1: Yeah, I went went home, uh moved in with my mom and her boyfriend at the time was a mm. carpet layer and we did that for a few months and then you know, between laying carpet and drinking beer, I was always broke. Right. And so I got a real job. Well, real job. Went to a roofing company and did sheet metal roofing for three years. The drinking stayed at a bar. Right. Somehow I ended up owning that bar as a beer bar. And it was funny because here I am, you know, August of 2001, uh-huh. we're talking about or delayed entry, you know, they're inactive contract, it's up. Right. I own a bar, so I'm giving out beer to everybody. They're like, hey, what's going on? And I'm like, I got my I- DD fourteen. Done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm the, out. The Marine Corps cannot call me back yeah. at all. Yeah. And they're like, Well that's not a big deal. And I go, It's a gr- big deal to me. You don't know. Two weeks later, World Trade Centers come flying down. Yeah. You know, and so th- a lot of the customers, patrons at the bar, veterans, you know. Sure. There's one World War II Marine Raider, been through all the islands, all the way up from Guadalcanal to UO. Oh. A couple of Vietnam vets that three or four tours in Nam. Wow. You know, and what yeah. A bunch I mean, of studs. So after September 11th, they're sitting there. I went to the recruiter and they wouldn't take me. I'm just trying to. These old boys were saying that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to drink my beer and avoid eye contact. Yeah. It's just like, fuck the Marines. I ain't going back. Yeah. And then finally, it's like, all right, guys, I'm going. You know, so I went to the Marine Corps. It was that. That was
0: it. You you didn't have some come to Jesus moment with like what you needed to do. Because this is the thing that the reason I painted this whole picture is because I wanted you to talk about this. Folks, you don't know this, but. I know I have known Terry for a long time and he'll kind of talk to me, but to get him to open up like this has been the best Christmas or birthday present ever because he's just he'll he'll talk to you about anything, anytime. But he's not he's just not a loud mouth asshole like me. So the reason I I asked about the first appointment was because after I got to know him for a while. And he said that he got out. He, he's already he had already been out. We had I think two guys, you and Rash, I think that both got out yeah. and came back.
1: And Olsen.
0: and right, right, uh, and I think that that just it means something different, right? Because you could have come back and blah 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 went to a supply and you're you're still serving your country and you're still doing your thing again, but you came back and went straight back to the grunts. Pretty good idea knowing what was going to happen. So, you're just hanging at the bar, getting shit from the old boys, and that was how you made the decision? Yep. I mean, the fucking bar, you know? (laughs) Fucking peer pressure. The the fucking bar. Yeah, the bar and peer pressure. Yeah. Oh. So, how old are you? Because you can't be, what, 33 at this point? No way. You're still in your 20s.
1: I'm in my 20s. I mean, uh... So, three years later, so you're, uh, 21, 22. 24, 25, right? Yeah, if I got out at 21... 21 okay so yeah yeah it's right probably here, 24
0: going on 25 something yeah so you go back to the recruiter same office you went to in the
1: no this is Tulsa office I came out of a lot and okay doesn't matter that much yeah, but, but yeah you... I went up there and so I joined you know of course the recruiters they're they got quotas to make they don't care you know if we're about to go to war or not right so my recruiter actually had his quotas already for September so he's like hey we're you're not doing your deal till October. So October 1st, I went to MEPS. Got some shit because, you know, I really don't want to go back into the Marine Corps, the grooming standards. Yeah. When you've been drinking <laughs> beer for five years. Yeah. yeah. You know, so right after I swore, did my swear in, Yeah. Sergeant Major's like right there. And he's like, where's your haircut? And it's like, Damn it. I forgot. <laughs> I don't want one. Yet. Yeah, you know, can I wait another week or two? <laughs> right. Just leave me alone for a little while, yeah. Sergeant
0: Major. Yeah. So they give you orders, you do the maps, and then that, it,
1: it, did you just get orders to First Marines? No. Uh, I guess because they know it takes a while to get back into the groove of things, right? You know. So I stayed at the so from October to December. Somewhere around there, I stayed at the recruiter station, and the recruiters hated me because they'd have somebody come in and, you know, uh, what are it? pooly or yeah. whatever, yeah. Well, it was just the guys that haven't even signed a contract. Just, oh, hey, they're I, just coming you in. Know, I'm, you know, and they wanted me to talk to people, and I'm like, we clean weapons all day. Yeah. That's Air all Force, do, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I would turn people off of the Marine Corps so much, the recruiter's like, hey, you got to stop talking to people, and it's like, or give me something else to do, or yeah, so they had me uh, running the fat bodies, all the pulleys that couldn't do their pull-ups. And they thought it was the greatest thing. I'd come in in the morning, and if they didn't have, like, paperwork errands, like run and drop-off background checks on people or Yeah, right, right. They would send me home, in which I owned a bar at times, so the home was the bar. I'd go to the bar, drink all day. And then after these pulleys got home from school or work, you know, 6 o'clock at night, we'd meet up at the recruiter station i'd go pt them yeah which was great because i was out of shape without pt
0: yeah you could have done without the drinking in between but whatever yeah yeah, well
1: it's a lot easier to run when you're drunk
0: i guess (laughs) i guess (laughs) well and then so you so then that's kind of spinning you up to get ready yourself anyway so that worked out yeah because you're going back to the grunts again
1: yeah going back to the grunts i was really close to being a tanker like hey can i change my mos if i'm going to war it'd be kind of nice to have a big old armor (laughs) yeah that's a
0: bigger target too though that scares me man
1: (laughs) yeah but they're the baddest motherfuckers on the i mean yeah you know you ain't got much to worry about inside of a tank yeah i mean if you're going it's going to be you're gone quick yeah do you remember
0: uh, we're going to go back but do you remember when we were uh when we were leaving iraq I don't know why this is, but I was told that once tanks load that cannon, they can't eject that round. Do you know, is that a, is that a real thing, or did I hear that wrong? There's a good chance I made
1: that up. No, because um, I think, yeah, I remember them. Don't you remember they all they got online? Pull, pulled off the side of the road yeah. and unloaded into a berm. I mean, it was,
0: boom, boom, boom. It yeah. was. I was like, yes, do that again, you know. But I but I, I asked somebody, because remember we were at the tankers on the boat. And I asked the one guy, uh, he used to always be in the gym, and I I was kind of just asking him for advice on how to lift because he was a big monster. And uh, But I think I, I know that's where I got the story. It had to have been him because I only talked to, like, a couple of them, like, all the time. You know, you say what's yeah. up to everybody, but I talked to him a lot, and I thought that was the deal was you can't, for some reason, once that round gets into that chamber, like, it can't just be ejected and set back down. Yeah, that's... Something like that. That's what I heard, too. I mean, that was the whole reason why we stopped the whole Yeah, convoy. because otherwise, you're not going to make that kind of noise for no reason. Yeah. But they couldn't take those live rounds back on the boat type of thing. You know what yeah. I mean? We, let's get rid of them out here. Yeah. So, all right, you're and these guys. Um, you go through that, and then so a couple months later, they get your orders for 2-1? For 2-1. And you flew yeah. out there. Okay, so now we're talking about December of 01.
1: Yeah, well, see, while I'm there, they're trying to figure out where to send me, and they're like, East Coast, West Coast, Hawaii, you know. You're, yeah. Where where do you want to go? And part of me, I'm like, well, I've done California before. I really don't want to go back out there. And I'm trying to think of which, which way I want to go, you know, and it snowed. You know, Oklahoma don't get much snow between October and December. Right. But it snowed, and I'm like— oh, man, they're going to have this white shit out there in Carolinas. Yeah,
0: East Coast, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going West Coast. Give me the heat. Yeah. I want want the sunny weather.
0: And the heat is like tropical paradise. I mean, there's hot days, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't beat Southern California too much, you know. Uh So then I guess that was when
1: we kind of met Well, a few months later. Yeah, a few months later because I got out there because I went to Bridgeport. Yeah. Okay. And never mind. That was in February, and that was here. I am trying to get out of the snow. Yeah. Now nah, they send you to eh, and they send me to Bridgeport as soon as I get to the unit. They're like, weather. Hey, uh, we're we're going to Bridgeport in a month. Oh, I was like, no. I just
0: I tried to avoid yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, but Bridgeport was fun. Yeah, because I wouldn't have met you until two thousand two. Yeah. Graduated boot camp in December of 01. Then I had to go back for my foot thing. Hang out with those lose those guys. And then SOI for three months. And then so I wouldn't have met you till like halfway through 2002 sometime. Yeah. It was when we all showed up.
1: From which there. we went down there in February, which Bridgeport was February of 02. What's How long was Bridgeport? A month? I think we spent a month up there. I never got to go. Yeah. Uh,
0: Just for the experience, I think it would have been it, cool.
1: It was. It was actually one of the funnest training events I've done. Really? In the Marine Corps. Really? as much as i hate the cold and right. snow, it was it was a blast yeah you know it and part <coughs> of it was the way it was because you you know 2-1 just come back off deployment and they sent everybody off to flap taps you know and guys getting out so we went up there the whole company was a reinforced platoon i think there's only like 30 40 of us company-wide oh really yeah well that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah and um uh, like Sergeant Lopez yeah. was the acting company gunny. Wow. And you know how he was like, "Hey man, it's cold. I'm the company gunny, but your rations are right there. Come get them as you want them." Yeah. And he was a cool motherfucker, man. Yeah, he was. And you know, most people don't want want to eat or do anything in the cold weather. No, you just want to get but warm. The more you eat, the warmer you are. Of course. And so the cold weather MREs they're they got all, you know, science one a day is all you need for all your daily... Calories burnt yeah. and all that, really? Yeah, and they give you more than that because it's cold weather. Yeah. It's the size of two MREs, packages, Oh, to okay, together. Okay. All right. And they come with breakfast, usually oatmeal, freeze-dried. Everything's freeze-dried. Yeah, And then I was eating two or three of those a day. I, I think I'm one of the few people that went up on the mountain and came back weighing more. Because I was just chowing down. I was going to say, dude, you have
0: got to burn some calories walking in those. Weren't you in like those snow boot, snowshoe things? Yeah. That's got to be tough. Well, walking around up and down Mm. the road with Mm. the kids uh, sledding is tough. Yeah. You know, so I could see how you need a lot of calories.
1: And, you know, they do teach you. One of the few things that they did right was they know how to survive in the cold. Yeah. And I listened to everything they said, like, you know, hey, Three layers. You got your base layer, your warming layer, then an outer layer. Yeah. Wipe your boots off every morning, the inside of your boots, sponge them out. That way there's no moisture. And really? You, yeah, you'll stay warm. Huh. And it's true. The I was warm the whole time up there, except for the one day I woke up late, you know, hey, we got to get, get, you know, we got to get going. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to sponge out my boots. My toes have been warm. Toasty, they'll,
0: The boots should be warm. They've been yeah, in here with me.
1: Yeah, they'll be fine. And that day was like the warmest day that we had training, and it was the coldest I was because the ice inside of my boots never thawed out.
0: It's that thing where what they're telling you is for a reason, and you're yeah. like, no way, I'm smarter than this. I yeah. know better than these guys who do this for a living.
1: Yep. Isn't that funny? Yeah, it is. They knew what they were talking about. And like I said, the whole time up there, I wasn't cold. Really, until that one day that I didn't yeah. clean my boots with moisture.
0: See, when my hands and feet go, I'm out. And they go, like, especially being a smoker for all those years, yeah. I don't think that helps anything. I don't know if any of that's true, but they say, you know, your your extremities get less blood flow. And that when when they when my toes go, I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. Also, well, the
1: boots, those little Mickey Mouse boots. Yeah. Really warm. I love those. Yeah, they they keep the toes warm. And as for the he- fingers, they gave us two pair of gloves that had a shell and an insert. Right. One was gloves, one was mitts. Right. And I just, I kept alternating them. I had that little pouch inside the Vortex. Okay. And I would have one pair sitting next to the body, staying yep. warm, you know, drying out. Good idea. And as soon as my fingers got cold, I'd swap them out. And, you know, the body heat was warming the other ones up. And, and drying them, probably. Yeah. And that's just how I kept my fingers warm, was just kept rotating my clothes throughout the day.
0: Dude, growing up, this girl, Becky, she lived up the road. It was like 15 of us little hood rats all running around. Her dad was a really cool dude, outdoorsy guy. And and I don't even know where he got these boots from, but he had a pair of those. uh, Oh, here's that go. He had a pair of those uh, Mickey Mouse boots he had gotten from somewhere and they didn't fit him. And we were all going to sled or something one day, and I had, of course, tennis shoes on. My mom went, I didn't have (laughs) snow boots. It was like, don't go out in it or wear what you have and put some schnooks bags on there and call it a day. He was like, where are your boots? And I'm like, I I don't have any. And by this time, like, he knew my mom did the best she could, you know. He was like, here, man, put these on. They're yours, you know. And I was like, what the hell is this? And. I had them. I don't even know what happened to them. I think in one of my moves across the country they I got, but they were the best boots I've ever had. And like, I want them back, but I think you can find them places, but I'm sure they have better shit now, but these were old. Like, I think they were like air force jump type boots. You could, you could put air in them and shit.
1: I don't know if they're the same, but it was the same concept. It's not, it's not to put air in. It's because the boots that we were issued there, it's, if you go from the ground up in there, the pressure changes. Oh, okay, okay. And what that does is <coughs> it'll release the pressure the It's a little relief valve. Yeah. I got you. He had said
0: something about air, and I'm like, whatever you say, man. But yeah. they, there was just absolutely no water getting in there. And it, as a matter of fact, my feet would sweat more than, you know, that, and that was always the problem, of course. But they, I remember those boots. They were awesome. So cold weather training wraps up. And then you guys come back down the mountain, go back to Pendleton, and that's where it all kicks off, huh?
1: Yeah. So one story I, I guess I want to Please, share. yeah. So whenever I came back in, you know, uh, they busted me down. I was a corporal whenever I got out. Yeah. And so they made me a Lance Corporal whenever I came back in. And, you know, the Marine Corps, your time and grade starts from when you pick up your – sure. So I was actually one of the junior Lance Corporals with four years of service. Wow. So everything that goes up on the mountain on training has to come down, including shit and piss. Everything. We we shit in five-gallon buckets. And at the end of the op, we come down, and we had to empty them. So guess who got put on the work party for that?
0: I'm sure. Yeah, me. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, so that was fun. We had to open up the five-gallon buckets, set them on a rack, and power wash them. Yeah.
0: Why, wait a minute, why in the desert do we dig a hole and the, the docs know how much human waste is going to be, blah, 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 they have a mathematical equation for it, but you can't do the same thing up in a mountain in the snow?
1: National Forest. Ah. Once the snow melts, they said there would be a minefield of... Just human shit. Toilet paper, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's National Forest is mostly where all the training is, so...
0: Oh, you I know. thought that was ours up there for some reason. Not that that... It is, but it's still National Forest, so yeah. it's got to be protected. Yeah. Wow, you fucking boot. You had to clean out all the shitters? Yeah. That's not... That That shit sucks, man. That, that, like, mm. some of those jobs, is like, this yeah. isn't
1: for humans, you know? Yeah. And it's like, hey, give me, like, two more months, and I'm going to outrank all of y'all, you know?
0: Oh, we're going to... I'm going to get mine. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, I don't want to talk all about it on here, but, like having to clean up dude i just don't have this stomach i i will
1: throw up quick yeah i don't know how i uh, that i wouldn't have made that one <coughs> luckily there was one one marine he's like man i don't mind running the power washer you know they gave us a apron he's like y'all just get it up on the rack and i will power wash it and it's like oh thank you right on tough guy <laughs> i appreciate it dude <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll fucking buy you one yeah, it was nasty. I mean, you know, we're trying to do it as clean as possible. The power washer it's yeah, his boots were covered oh, and shit. That's you tough. Know.
0: Yeah. That is tough. So you come back down and then that's where we meet. Yeah. Start training up and then a little while later get going. How was it uh how was it getting out and going back home to you live in the country, basically. Still, I mean, not basically, but you were telling me yesterday, gas stations, whatever, four miles away. <laughs> so you're out there a little ways. How is that like transition to go back home, kind of by yourself? Not kind of by yourself, but pretty much by yourself with mom. Pretty tough. Well, you, what do you mean? Just being like alone. Just going from all of that and being around the guys so much to going and being alone, or is that just kind of what you're used to? It's, it's what I like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean.
1: I know that about you for sure. but Yeah. I, I don't know. I grew up out in the country with that mile. Within two or three miles of our neighborhood, there is only probably ten houses. Wow. You know? So
0: how many people in your graduating class in high school?
1: Well, because of high school, we actually had the largest, at that year, the largest class. And it got broke. The record got broke the next year and the following years. But I think there was... 100, maybe. Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. So, yeah, to me, that's way small town to most people.
1: And the town, I mean, so I grew up near Lawton, but the school that I went to was Elgin, which is north of there. It was a royal rural community. Yeah. Was it middle school, somewhere around there? The city, town of Elgin, they held a big parade because a baby was born, and it gave the population of 1,000, so they went from. Oh, shit. So it was a big yeah. deal because yeah, it yeah, yeah. they they stepped up in class and yeah. it became a more you know, funding or whatever the yeah. whole thing was and yeah.
0: also just to put a thousand and one on the board or yeah. on the sign. Yeah. Did you uh did you run into any kind of trouble just being alone and and not alone but shit like that when you went back home? Because well, I know I did. You well, know you whenever, know where I'm going with this. We're going to help people.
1: Whenever I got out of the Marine Corps the second time, I didn't move out into the country. I moved into Moved to Broken Arrow, it's a suburb of Tulsa. Yeah, and my life was the bar life. Yeah, for a long time it was. That's where I
0: was going with this.
1: I go to work and then yeah, bar was my home. Yeah, you know, I mean, work and the actual house that I slept in was just secondary. Home. Did the you bar. still own that bar? Not at that time. I ended up. It was actually on the deployment we went on. I had to do the paperwork and send it off and get it sold.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, who owns a bar? An alcoholic. Right, right.
1: And that's what I'm saying. I couldn't have
0: done that. Well, it was basically, there was... Well, I kind of owned a bar. It's just I had no rights to it. I just paid to keep the fucking lights on.
1: Well, (laughs) so some of the old veterans I was telling you about, they were disability-drawn social security. They actually bought it, but they couldn't have it in their name. Yeah. You know, so they put it in my name. And whenever they told me that one day... They're like, hey, we need to ask you a big favor, you know. And I go, hey, if you're going to put me as the owner of the bar, the only thing I really care about is just don't get me in trouble with the IRS. Of course. And I go, hey, wait, if I own the bar, I get a drink for free, right? And they're like, oh, God. We knew you were yeah. going to ask. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I think we can do that. And I go, one more thing. And they're like, what? And I go, the key to the pool table. Ah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because I don't want to pay for pool. No. Yeah, you know? I own the fucking place. Yeah. Yeah. But you have <laughs> to tip your bartender still. Yeah. That's the only. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, uh, and we have that very much in common. Uh, excuse me. We were at, uh, some friends yesterday and one of them had a shot of tequila and Terry and I both looked at each other. Now, you used to like the taste of tequila. What do you mean used to? I still
1: do. <laughs> See,
0: I always knew. And I was telling the story yesterday. I learned from a young age in my 20s that on three separate occasions, I drank tequila, I went to jail. I drank tequila, I went to jail, drank tequila, went to jail. And every time I would wake up in jail, I'd go, man, I, it was really not that much different than any other. And I'm out, I'm drinking every night. What? what? And the the only Uncommon denominator was the tequila, and I don't know what the, I. Obviously now I've been able to just quit doing things that I know are harming me and get me in trouble. But at that time I wasn't quitting doing anything. But like going to jail was expensive, and da, 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 da. I just I knew that like okay, we don't have to quit drinking. This is my rationale. We don't have to quit drinking. We can still <laughs> we can still get DWIs and do all this stupid shit, but we do have to stop drinking tequila. And for some mm-hmm. reason, man. It was only one other time we were at this packed, packed, packed place where you don't even want to be there anymore. You can't get a fucking drink. It's, it was just a nightmare. My buddy knew all kinds of people, and um, he was able to get shots somehow and just handed me one. And the place was so busy, we didn't even get to talk. And I, j- I hit it, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, did you just fucking give me tequila? And he was <laughs> like, oh, my bad. I forgot. I'm like, dude. So but for some reason I was able like I knew that tequila and I did not get along and then I would go through this thing this was funny too. how we how I uh, would figure I would think that well it's not drinking itself isn't the problem it's this one particular brand right so <laughs> Uncle Jack and I had a relationship for a while and then Uncle Jim and I and it was always like yeah me and Jack don't get along. But Jim Beam, now that's different. Well, we're not getting along anymore. And I would go through this rotation of all the different liquors, and it's like, hey, dummy, you just can't have any of it. You know, like, so, but to come to that, to come to those terms took a long time. But um,
1: did that struggle catch up with you years later? It did. I got a, well, you know, I got a total, let's see, I got thrown in jail public in talks a couple times. I don't remember. You know, I yeah. was drunk. Yeah. Um, got a DUI once. It's no big deal. And then years later, I was living in Coita. Got me two DUIs in a month. And it's kind of funny, you know. Ugh. I'm sitting there. The second time I get pulled over, I was driving on a paper license that you get after. Sure. And it's like, man please have days left on it because it's close to 30 days. I'm like, I don't want another driving on suspension, right, you know, to add to it. You know, it's not that I'm getting a DUI. It's I, I don't want to drive it under suspension. You know, There that's, you go. that's what's going through my mind. Yeah. Is, hey, yeah. Just please have like days left on this paper license, right. you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And then, you know, I guess I was fortunate because my lawyer I went to turned out to be a great lawyer, but he, whenever I was sitting there talking to him, which was after the second DUI. He's like, hey, you know, you're looking at five years. And I go, what? I go, not for drinking and driving. Do I need to get another lawyer? Yeah, right. And he's like, no, no, but if you lie to me and if you're not, he goes, I just need you to be forthcoming on everything because legally you can go to jail for five years. Yeah, I got to build a case. And he's like, you're going to be on probation for two years, you know, after everything was done. Right, right. And he's like, if you get in trouble, you're going. I go, no, what kind of trouble is this? And, you know. Everything came together because that's actually whenever, you know, the motorcycle club I was in, I just finished up my prospect. I knew I was about to get my patch. Yeah. And, you know, they were concerned about my drinking too. <coughs> and everything, just all the stars lined to where it's, I got to quit drinking. Yeah. You know, and it really, because I'd been in trouble in the Marine Corps for drinking right. before, I knew I could quit for six months a year yeah two years for the probation no problem I know I can quit drinking two right, years right. I've, I've done it before it was what am I going to do after the two years that's where the struggles when it hit and uh you know so I never really the first few years I never quit I mean I I never drank but in my head I wasn't I was still going to drink. I got you. I'm waiting on.
0: I'm waiting on the clock to run. Yeah,
1: you know, I got the clock running. But one of the amazing things happened during that two years of probation was, uh, I met a woman, Crystal. Mm-hmm. She was, I mean, she had her shit together, had a pretty good life going for her. Yeah. You know we we became a thing, and it was. I watched my bank account grow. You yeah, know, yeah, I, it's I weird. Went, I went from paycheck to paycheck, starving on sure. Thursdays and Fridays because sure. you know payday's Friday. Yeah, I'd be at the bar Wednesday, going, "Man, how can I do this? I guess I'm not eating Thursday, right? Okay, you know, so three bucks in gas. Yeah, get... yeah, yeah. And and then I quit drinking, and during those two years, I I learned, hey, I make a pretty good living if I just quit drinking. Right. It's nice having money. Yeah, you know, and, and that's. That was the biggest motivation, you know. Sure. To just hey, I can live a pretty good life and actually buy things, you know. Yeah. Because I didn't hell, I couldn't even afford work clothes, right. you know. And well, but when you're sitting
0: in the bar, it's like I, I I'm I'm agreeing with you the whole way, just telling my kind of side of it, but it's like, all right, I know I need at least two packs of smokes, so that's gonna cost me and then it and it's like I I would try so hard to keep the party going. Ultimately, yeah. just to forget and not think about things. But, like, I would try so hard. And it's like, now, after all these years, I look at it completely the opposite. Like, I'm not going to f- I'm not going to spend $85, $85 at a bar that I'm going to feel like shit for a week. I'm going to not me- remember everything. Yeah. Like, Alicia, like I said, got me tickets to the Shane Gillis show. It, back then, that would have been like a f- couple hundred dollars. Not, not only the
1: tickets, but... Like, we're going to pregame for sure. Yeah, I got I to quit drinking, like, two days a week for the next month. Right, to, to budget. Yeah, yeah, budget out to have more alcohol. And it's just like... Yeah, that was the budget. How many days of drinking do I have to go to be able to afford to do yeah, something? Yeah, how many roofs do I have to put on
0: to be able to drink six days, seven days a week? You know, yeah. it, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, we like to... I like to... um have kind of a not a lesson but try to end on something positive what my hope here is I think you know but um if there are some younger folks listening to this we met one last night who's just kind of starting his journey and he's gonna be a police officer and he's gonna go through some things but like what you could have done back then to avoid putting yourself through all that right and and I think obviously it's a good thing how many years you got sober now 10 10 years sober right so yeah the DWIs and the going to jail and the spending all the money and all the hardship that came with it obviously what we would rather happen Terry and I both is that you just don't have to go through those things to learn that lesson and and it's weird it's different for you and I because I came home to the same community I mean dudes from junior high and high school right so I had people everywhere I had tons of friends and but that was the culture, and and I know guys now that are my age, a couple of years older, a couple of years younger, and I don't, I'm not saying that this is wrong, it's just not for me, but like, it's the same, the bar has changed because everybody's moved over to this side of the river, so right, the bars and the locations have changed, but everybody's doing the exact same shit, and and some of it's gotten even a little bit worse, like with some substances, and, and it's like, we've lost so many people around here to the drugs, and and you know, drinking and shit of course too, but it's really the drug. So like how, how we can bypass making all those decisions and start to get on some kind of a healthy living pattern when we get home or when we get out, you know, you didn't have, you had your buds. I know. I understand. But like I had this whole support system and I, it still, it didn't fail me. I failed, but it's like, how do you have any advice for a younger person or people who just to try to avoid making those mistakes that you and I made?
1: And I know it's putting on the spot, but you know, I it it's hard for me to give advice. I mean, because no matter everybody's been told, hey, they'll get the hooks into you. If yeah, you, sure. Any of it, and you know, I mean, you got to live your life and make your decisions. And, yeah, and it it sucks. I mean, I don't want to see, you know, like my niece. I don't want to see her on drugs. Right, but,
0: right. It does know, happen.
1: Yeah, and. You know, it's I'm here for you whenever you want it. Right. You know, right. You got a support system in place. Somebody who's been through there. But yeah, well, and it's it's like
0: it's reaching out to find it. Right. Because I just got done in one sentence saying that I had this huge support system. But thinking about that, I don't think it was really a support system. I think it
1: was a party system. Yeah. You know. And part of it, you got to have that attitude to want to quit. Exactly. You know, I mean, like I said, I've been in trouble with my drinking for years before I quit. Yeah. And it was funny because I'd go to AA meetings, and it's like, man, these are a bunch of whiny bitches. Yeah. And then the one time that I went to AA, because I was ready to quit, yeah. it's like eh, they ain't whining; they're they're giving me pretty good advice right. out here. You right. Know? Well, they're being proactive. Yeah. Whereas
0: I was just yeah. waiting on some shit to happen.
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, it's the attitude going into it. I mean, you have to want to quit. Yeah. Not just say, hey, I I mean, the deep down, <coughs> you have to want it. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, if if you don't want it, you're going to find the excuse to go back. Of course. See, and and as far as the alcohol
0: goes, I'm definitely an alcoholic. But the drugs took over, and the alcohol just took a back seat because it didn't, you know how it is, alcohol doesn't work quite as fast as, like, Speed and painkillers you know (laughs) So it was like the alcohol just got left To the side because that wasn't the type of buzz I was into at the time and so Like but I did It's not like I I just replaced one thing with Another is the moral of that whole story but Knowing now like It's a little bit different If we go down to the Dersh's next Door and and have a couple like I'm walking home I'm with my Wife and my neighbor's we're sitting around at a table. The girls listen to eighties dance music and scream and yell and Pat and I laugh at them. And then like, and then I go home, but there, there's still that thing the next day. It's like, Oh man, I do feel like shit, you know, but it's like, it's, uh, I don't know, man. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's wrong either, but I just think that I'm, I'm like, obviously, you know, they say you change every 10 years. Right. And so it's like, I'm, I'm of course way different than I was in my twenties and in thirties too. But, um, I just think it's not a control because I know for sure if I was out with the right people, I could definitely go back to losing control. Maybe not on the drug thing, but like on the drinking thing, definitely. So it's like I know I'm always on that border, you know. So, yes, the answer is just don't do it at all. But it's like I do enjoy sitting outside with my neighbors having a bonfire, you know, and just like kind of relaxing. Can you you don't give yourself.
1: You told me a story one time. I'd like you to tell that if you would. My 10-year sobriety anniversary. This is it. So here I am 10 years. I've never done anything for 10 years of my life. Straight. You know, i uh, never done it. You know, so it's pretty big deal to be able to go 10 years without drinking. Holy shit, yeah. So I'm going to celebrate it the only way I know how, yeah. which is to get drunk. And Now, uh, was this
0: your idea? Yes, it was. So no, no buddies
1: of yours were like, hey. No, it was, hey, let me just get <laughs> drunk. I've been 10 years. and I deserve I, this. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I did was I went to an AA meeting because I wanted a ten year pin. You know, I've I've actually worked hard. It was a struggle. Of course, that coin ten, means ten a lot. Years. Yeah, it does. And the damnedest thing, you know, talking about how AA meetings, you don't, you know, the first few times I went, I didn't learn shit from them. No. you know, until I wanted to. And so we were reading from the big blue book, and one of the passages that we was reading was, "Hey, we can't go back. There's something we're wired to." You know, we can't go back and we can't just enjoy alcohol like, you know, normal people. And it stuck with me, like, hey, I got to watch myself, you know. And I actually didn't go out on my 10-year anniversary and drink, but I waited till that weekend, you know, to go out. And I was planning on getting drunk. I had a safe place. I had friends that (coughs) were going to watch me. Hey, you know, here's my keys. Yeah. You know, don't, walk. you know, beat the shit out of me. Don't let me go outside of these doors. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I opened up a beer, you know, take a sip or two, and it's like, oh, man, that tastes good, you know. <laughs> and then I took another drink, and it's like, oh, man, I can feel it. This is so wonderful. The third sip, it was like, oh, man, this is the crossroads right here. That's it. I go, I got to stop now, or I'm hooked, you know. And Oh, yeah. I I gave the beer away, and I said, hey get this way from me. wow can't, i can't do it no more because the old feeling's coming back i you know yeah you know. it's tough so you asked me 10 years i mean the clock restarted in my head it's only been i guess coming up on a year but 10 years total going on 11
0: see when you told me that story not not because i wanted to give you a pass because i i completely understand what you're saying and, and i do agree with you I also think that that was like the biggest test and the fact that you passed that to me, I, I gave you so much credit on that one because that, yeah, you probably just shouldn't have had a sip of beer. I get it, but, but like taking yourself to that line and then going, no, I know better now, I think is, I think is like, uh, to me, it's an even bigger
1: accomplishment, you know, and I don't know, that's, that's tough to do well you know in the public perception of the alcohol you know hey with me because i've had the total 3 DUIs, it's like you can drink just don't don't, don't drive. drive right it's like yeah but i can't control none of that I hear you driving drunk is the best thing ever i absolutely love it I don't like driving like i got six hours drive home yeah i really don't like doing it you get me drunk that six hours is gonna be blast really yeah i i love driving i hated it whenever i'm drunk i love driving let's go i don't want to sit here at the bar i'm drunk let's go drive somewhere right so yeah public safety is a good thing that i'm not drinking of course of course but yeah there's i know that i cannot control at all so yeah there is no hey just don't drive It's like no right that's not going to happen with me i drink i'm out of control yeah
0: Well, see, riding my motorcycle, I I mean, there was nothing better than bar hopping on a chopper. Oh, yeah. Like, nothing better. Maybe have an extra helmet with you. Maybe not. I don't know. This is when we had to wear helmets in Missouri. But it's like, there was nothing better. I mean, because you could pick a—I'm happily married, love my wife. But back then, you could pick a girl up, drop her off in the next bar, take another— And it was just—it was so much fun with a group of dudes— just yeah. running red light I mean just doing The silliest shit You could think of And looking back Like I I made some promises To not get on a motorcycle again That's just my life And I uh, You know Like a dirt bike or something Playing around the yeah. woods Is different But like I, I I don't I don't trust the people around me Out on the road enough These days But like You should definitely not Be going that speed <laughs> That intoxicated Like ever and it was the f- most fun thing to do. And it's, it was it was having the pack of dudes. Why all the motorcycle clubs started was because mm. they they got home and wanted to be around people like them and didn't want to follow your fucking rules. And we want to go do what we want. And mm. I had that, like, a little taste of that feeling, you know, just kind of outlaw shit. And I, I fucking loved it, man. I, I, I thought it was the best thing to do. And people look at you like, these dudes just don't give a fuck, you know? Like, they're just outlaw shit. And I don't know. I had a lot of fun doing it, but... I've come to find out about myself when I have that much fun doing anything. Stop because <laughs> it's you're pushing it close. Yeah. And you know, I I got my own couple DWIs and it's like, I don't know, man. It's just a bummer. But um I guess that's what we're trying to say. Oh, oh, I wanted to say this. I work with a guy, he's 25. Um, <clears throat> do you know what a fister is in the army? They call air. It's what they do. Fist means it's an acronym, of course, like every fucking thing else. But they, they call air. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so him being twenty-five, me being forty-one now, when we work together for that 10 week time frame, I you know, you just get to know a person and uh he does not party. He like went the opposite way of you and I when mm-hmm. he got out, right? So super into outdoors and hunting and if he's not hunting in the winter he's got a fucking canoe and he goes up to this lake up the road and fishes and canoes around and totally fit guy and very disciplined and and like structured and i was telling him the other night i'm like man i I wish i would have had that thing back then because like those years weren't wasted but they're wasted you know i was wasted wasting years and he's just been so productive in a positive mental space, you know, and he knows that like, I've got these kind of issues and this stuff makes me actually feel better. Alcohol just like pushes it away a little bit. And then you got to deal with it in fucking (laughs) 15 years, you know, but he's doing it like the right way. And I hope, and there's a lot of organizations and stuff that can help these young guys. But like you said, you have to want it. And, and it's not going to come knocking on your door and to speak on another thing. And I know I've said it on here before, what you were talking about in the book that we can't just go back a little bit. The one, the one uh, counselor in rehab told me, or told us, the one time he was like, "Your addiction's just outside that door, doing push-ups. It's just <laughs> getting stronger, waiting on you to come back." You so, in my world, if you if you snorted, let's say, ten oxy's a day, and you quit for ten years, when you get back, I don't, I don't know if this is all factually accurate, but like your your addiction is still at that like 10 a day now you're going to get a buzz from a little bit for sure but like your your tolerance is going to go right back to where it was and that was the, what the guy was trying to tell me was it like you can't do that anymore
1: yeah i mean sure like that first beer i started feeling the the effects of alcohol yeah you know that warm it was, it was warm i could actually you know just off of three sips you know hey i was starting to get drunk yeah and uh yeah, but it would not took long. I mean, no, you know, going from one beer gets me drunk to the next thing you know, I'm at a e- within again. a week or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> so I mean, I, yeah, it's one of those deals where you really can't. I mean, yeah. I guess some people can. Anything's possible, right? But boy, not for you. It's hard. Well, it's good that you figured it out at least, yeah. and I'm I'm
0: happy to have you here and healthy after all those years um folks we're gonna get up and do some family stuff they're all heading over we got food going on um i hope everybody has or when you hear this had a great christmas day and and spent some time with your family and loved ones and a new year i don't know oh are you doing any new year's resolutions do you do new year's resolutions at all not anymore my dad when i was a kid i remember he would say i'm giving up corn dogs and the funny thing behind that was that he fucking never ate corn dogs anyway yeah so he would always just do some bullshit that he know. i'm not quit flying planes it's like you don't fly planes asshole <laughs> i don't i don't have any set for myself i'm gonna leave it that way i think i'm just gonna keep kind of doing what i gotta do i do have to pick up my game on buying alicia gifts though because she's so much better at it than <laughs> me so i gotta do better on that one but <clears throat> buddy thanks again for uh bringing cash that rifle it it means as much to me as it I think does to you and him so i i can't tell you how much i appreciate that and i'm so happy to have you down here and uh guys listening i this was funny to me because um when terry met us in branson savvy we had like we had that no we had an even number with you because there's five of us so you made six right so we all had to ride roller coasters And Savvy was like, hey, can I ask Terry if he wants to ride? And I think that was the first time or, like, second time you guys had really met. Because you'd come up here a couple times and the kids weren't here. Yeah. Right? So, uh, but we got on a roller coaster and I'd look back and Terry was just laughing and he totally came to life. And uh, it's just been, it's been a lot of fun having him as another part of our family, which he always has been. But, um, so, like, him opening up on this podcast when i asked him to do it earlier i'm like hey you want to go podcast before you leave and he, he he was totally like yeah but i could tell there was like maybe a little reservation so you did great And i think this is awesome So thanks buddy i appreciate you
1: all right no problem
0: all right man you guys be good take care of each other and do something nice for somebody and uh i've got some pretty cool stuff coming up so hang in there with me and uh i got some good guests coming in and we're going to talk about some things that i think are pretty important so Thanks for checking me out again. Please like and subscribe or whatever they tell you to do on YouTube. And what's the other one? Spotify and all that good stuff. So I appreciate you guys, man. Merry Christmas. Take it easy. We'll see you.